Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Minnesota Vikings won their first game. How are you feeling about it? It's a very interesting feeling because they didn't exactly play well. And they played arguably their worst game of the season and still picked up a win. So it's very odd to say the least. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about the usage of the offense. We're going to talk about Kirk Cousins struggling. And we're going to talk about the defense and how they were able to take advantage of a rookie quarterback and a limited offense. Plus, We're going to give a brief preview before we go in-depth on Wednesday about Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter. Host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Ford Smith. As always, in the top right corner, he is producer Dave. Dave, Vikings got their first win today. How do you feel? I feel fine. It's a beautiful Monday. We got the win. Vikings are on on their way. Who says it all the time? Freddie? We'll go what 14 and 3. Or what are you, Paul Allen? <laughs> Listen, Vi- no. Vikings did get their first win. And They're, it's, it's not nice. I'm, I'm glad they got their first win. There was a lot of things I like this I liked that I saw on the defense especially on the defensive side. The office offense gave me some pause. In particular, one each quarterback that once he threw that early interception for a pick six, it got into his head and he didn't seem to be on the rest of the day. However, the offensive line played rather decently. I like Cam Akers. I even thought Alexander Madison had a good game. It was it was a win. I think mm-hmm. we gave up. Well, we gave up probably at least 10 points on turnovers. It's the turnover thing that's going to kill us. That's what they've got to fix. If they fix the turnover thing, we'll be good. And I didn't say great, but we'll be good. They got to fix the turnovers. And then we have a chance in a lot of these games coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. They really do need to fix the turnovers, Dave. And quite frankly, it's getting it's getting to a point where it's embarrassing. The Vikings have had at least two turnovers in every single game this year. Eleven on the year. What are we doing? Like it? It's such a convoluted discussion because there's so many different points, and we didn't fumble at all on Sunday. That's a great sign because fumbles inherently are random, but at the same time, you can control some of that randomness by holding on to the football. After the ball is fumbled, there's different nuances and stuff that can happen. It bounces just go 
completely the wrong way. Vikings finally got a bounce in that strip sack by Harrison Smith. DJ Wanham took it for a scoop and score, and that was the clinching score to give the Vikings the win. But you have to be able to control some of that, and they haven't been able to do so. They, now, they kind of figured it out on Sunday outside of Kirk Cousins. And look, it's annoying that we keep talking about Kirk Cousins and we talk about his struggles, but when they keep manifesting themselves, we have to keep talking about it. It's it's so inherently frustrating that this guy who is in his age 35 season is playing like a rookie. Dave, he's making rookie mistakes. What are we doing here? That pick six was an abomination. If Bryce Young makes that throw, okay. He's late on a flat route on the goal line. Okay, it, it's a frustrating one, but you can at least understand it that a rookie does it. Not a 12-year veteran. What's What are we doing? It, that play, one, two, fire. You take two steps. That's it. That second step is that your your back foot and you're driving the football. Well, basically a three-step drop max. He took five. What are we doing? And this has been a consistent issue with Cousins. His lack of decision-making, being... I'm trying to think of the right word. I've, I've been... I've done a lot of work today. It's... Um, it's he's not decisive. Well, Confident he doesn't like decision. to make decisions. I mean, you said it earlier today. We all watched it on quarterback. His wife picks out his clothes for him. He's the type of individual that wants to be told, this is what you do, right? He's not quick at it unless it's drawn out. Well, I've said, you know, the footsteps on the dance floor, he does not operate well. And then once he threw that interception in the first quarter, that stuck in his mind the rest of the game. You could see it. He was off. And it's just like, oh, come on, Kirk. That's where Kevin O'Connell is talking about. you got to forget about those. Let's go. Go out there and win. You can lead. Lead these guys to victory and go out there and play some of the best football of your life and he doesn't he's got to start out strong and fast to end strong and fast otherwise it throws him off and that's where we get you know everybody talks about Kirk Tober he's so good in October except for we usually get those spells where it's one two three games where he's just who are you right Atlanta a year or so or Two ago, right? Where he threw the three picks. And it's like, where'd you come from? We thought we got over this. He needs to be able to flush that. He needs to be not as structured or as fact that he's, you know, held by strings to go like a marionette. He can only go that way. No, he's got to be able to think and move on his own. And things like that interception wouldn't have happened. And then you wouldn't have given up the seven points. You would have gone on and score at minimum three points. There's 10 points right there. If you'd gone and punched it in the end zone, there's 14 points. And you could have been up. But he did not. And that's what drives fans crazy about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's... I'm going to push back a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily he has to be in a rhythm early on. The big thing with Cousins is if he's down, that's when he starts to grip it and rip it. Like the Eagles game, once they were down 27-7, he was just no fucks given. He was just dropping back and ripping the ball into tight windows, ripping it to his wide receivers and doing it confidently. I don't understand how he can't do so when it's a tie ball game, when it's early in the game. And I think that's that's what separates him from being a truly elite quarterback. It, depending on the game script, is depending on how actually confident and arrogant per se that he is with the football. Now, if you're leading by 14, you don't want to make dangerous throws. And I'm not talking about dangerous throws. I'm not even talking about throws outside of his wheelhouse. I'm asking Kirk Cousins to play up to the level of Kirk Cousins, and, and that is. Making, 
making confident throws, understanding what the reads are, and in the process of doing so, doing it on time and not being late. Too often, we talked about that out route last week to Jordan Addison, late, hitching, double tapping the football, and not just seeing it, reading it, boom. That's the problem. And you see guys against us doing it. You saw Baker Mayfield doing it. You saw Jalen Hurts doing it. You definitely saw Justin Herbert doing it. Bryce Young is a fourth is a rookie starting his third game. He's gonna have problems. I don't care if he was the first overall pick. One, he shouldn't have been. And if you listen to the show, you know he shouldn't have been the first <laughs> overall pick. And hey, I'm gonna victory lap the shit out of CJ Stroud because so many people said, oh, Ohio State quarterback or this, that, or the other thing. They didn't watch enough film. And that's where all these takes come from. They come rooted in film. And it's so frustrating. I had a guy message me today saying that my takes on Kirk Cousins were strictly politically driven, which is hilarious because Dave, do you even know what my political affiliation is? No, I could suspect, no. but I don't know. And nor I don't do I care. And Nobody knows what my political affiliation is. Like, and do you know what mine is? Mine probably matches Kirk's, and I still am hard on him because I demand more from my core starting quarterback. Pro military, Dave. I for yeah. one am shocked. I know, but it is. <laughs> I just he drives me crazy. He's driven me crazy since he got here, and yesterday was a microcosm of that frustration. Now, luckily, the rest of the team played well. And we got over that. Now, the passing game didn't crank up huge numbers like it had been. Justin Jefferson had a bad day with what? 80 some odd yards. Um, mm-hmm. And and we still won that ball game. We should have won that ball game. The Panthers aren't good. Next week, we go against the defending Super Bowl champions. They and we're going to get to that. We we have we have a lot more to talk about this game, and I want to talk more about Kirk Cousins because it's not just the decisive decision making, Dave. It's the lack of understanding what is going on around you, and the lack of understanding what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. And it, it's not just the decision making, which has been subpar. It's the cement blocks. They they have a saying like uh, whenever you watch a mob movie that they'll say like oh he's gonna be swimming with the fishes, you know why they say that? They tie cinder blocks to your legs so you stay down when and that's how they kill you, and that's that's how they'll put like dead bodies and stuff too because then they don't come up to the surface, and it's almost like Kirk Cousins has had cinder blocks tied to his feet at times because he just refuses to move. And then by the time he decides, oh, maybe I should move when it's like five seconds into the play, then he's going down. And it, the second interception where his arm gets hit, there were multiple things wrong with it. One, that Ed Ingram could have had a better block. Absolutely. But here's the thing. As an offensive lineman, you're taught if you're, if you're getting beat, you push him as far as you can behind the quarterback. You know why? The quarterback can then step up into that hole. So... O'Neal and Ingram are pushing their def- their pass rushers behind Cousins. Guess what? Cousins has a path right there. Just slide up into the pocket. Go northeast. And boom. You have space to work with. That's all we're asking. We're asking you to do normal quarterback things here, Dave. And he's not doing it. And two, where the hell was he throwing that football? There's nothing. Absolutely nothing to throw to. It's it's so inherently frustrating to watch because yeah, there were great throws like the grip and rip it to Justin Jefferson for that game winning touchdown or creating and getting Justin Jefferson on that first touchdown. Awesome stuff, but too many inconsistencies and too many issues of him actually trying to link plays together. That's the issue we have. He is not consistent within his own abilities, not even close. And that's why he's probably not getting an extension here. Well, it's nothing to do what he's capable of. Practice, practice, practice. You can tell KOC does not run quality practices. I don't know about that, T-Bass. We've seen that. I'm going to be honest. I don't, Zimmer, I don't know where you're going with that. KOC. Um, I don't know that the practices aren't quality. 
They are run and structured within the rules of the NFL, which has changed over the years, as you know. And it's gotten a lot more player-friendly, put it that way. So if it's practices, maybe. But we've seen this same offense just generate tons of offense. There's that I don't think, even with Kirk Cousins. So I don't think that's practice is the issue. Or we'd see it more consistently. We're not seeing it more consistently. Not not that way. We're seeing Kirk be Kirk. And the rest of the team improved. The offensive line had a good day. Not just a good day, Dave. They had a great day. They only gave up four pressures total. Four. All Mm -hmm. game. And you know what's hilarious? The 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 one sack they had where Jeremy Chin came uh, in unavated to the quarterback and just shot the gap up the middle. They charged that to Christian Derisaw. How in the hell are you charging that to Derisaw? That doesn't make any sense. Like, what are we doing? That's not a Derisaw. He was so far away from the play. I'm I'm just annoyed. Um, <laughs> T Bass talking about how the two minute drill the other game was horrible. Um, so here's the thing with that two minute drill: they had the right idea. The right idea was to get up to the line of scrimmage and run a play quickly. They ran a good play. It didn't work, but the process of that play was sound. The issue that they had was they didn't either one call two plays in the huddle prior. So then you get up to the line, you get up in like eight to 12 seconds, and then you run a play that would give the Vikings four shots at the end zone. That's the smart way to do it. That's what they were trying to do, not get up and clock it and then waste it down. And then you only have three shots to the end zone. The problem was there was a lack of communication between the two. And it seems to have just been a, a, an outstanding thing on on their own. Like this is an outlier scenario because we've seen so many times with this two minute offense, they are cohesive and they are making quick decisions and not wasting time on the clock. So I'm willing to chalk it up to as this is an anomaly and not the norm. But I will say if we see this happen again, relatively quickly, I'm going to change my tune on that because then it's, it's like that old adage, um, fool me once shame on me, fool me twice. Shame on you. Maybe it's backwards, but you know what I mean? The Zimmer heavily emphasized two minute warning or two minute drills in his practices, mm-hmm. and they should become second row where the players know plays that are going to be called for the most part. They know they've got to hustle, even if they hustle and then want to kill time, they can kill time on the sitting on the line and wait mm-hmm. if that's the goal. But they need to hustle and move down and move down and be available to kill the clock. And, you know, so they save timeouts if they need to save timeouts. It's all that. Norsefius, you are the man. We thank you so, so much from our hearts for oh, that thank $20 you. super chat. Uh, we appreciate it. I got to read his comment. I'm on the Caleb committee, but if we don't get, if we don't make the big leap for him, I think J.J. McCarthy being coached by a guy who's done it and is under center more than most would have been an easier transition than 99% of the QBs out there. There's something to that. And thank you, Azul Narcius. Um, Let's transition that into letting everybody know what we have going on on the YouTube side, Dave. That is, we have extra content and we just launched this so and as you can see by davy's uh um comment up there he has a little badge next to him because he is a subscriber to the youtube channel not just a normal subscriber which highly recommend you do it's free of charge and you don't have to do anything other than hit that bell to make sure you get all the videos notified to you when they go we go live or when they get posted but it's also you can get extra content, which we're going to start doing here soon. We've already had Davey on the show, which is going to be an opportunity for you if you join that $15 tier. Or if you don't want a $15 tier, you just want to throw us a few extra bucks 
because we do a good job and you greatly appreciate that, there are options there too. And it, it's just an, an awesome way to help support the channel. And you can help support uh, Dave's um, bourbon drinking because he spent all <laughs> of his free money buying us stuff for the channel to make us sound as great as possible. You see these mics? That's an, that's on Dave. Dave made that purchase for us. So uh, that money is going to go to help him make sure he get, has a nice bourbon stash as the thank you. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, you know what? Norseus, I'm we're going to put a pin in that because I... I think we're we might have to do a special show just talking about the quarterback class and where they're at. And you can always check out my work with Score North Purple Daily on Draft every Monday afternoon, and we talk a little bit about that. But I want to have a much larger discussion about this quarterback class and kind of where they're at, what we're expecting, and how this could impact the NFL draft because there is there's a lot to, to go on with this quarterback class. Excuse me. Um, and I don't think this is necessarily the time to do so because we got a lot to talk about. But Cousins is going to have an opportunity to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. We're going to have a lot more on that on Wednesday afternoon. And he may play great because he may feel free to play great, like he's already down two touchdowns. I I sort of hope that's his mentality. I hope so too. I don't know if it is, but I hope so too. Because when he gets down is obviously when he generally plays his best. When he gets down in points. Because then it's, hey, I got nothing to lose at that point. I think he's afraid of losing. That may be part of it. That, you know, that he's got to be so good and so meticulous and so uh If you, you don't know, play perfect. to win, you're playing to lose. And, and that's what a lot of people don't figure out. Yep. Now, uh, I do want to hit up on uh, Raymond. Thank you, Raymond, for submitting a comment to the short video I posted around lunchtime today. I appreciate that very, very much. And I'm, I hope you enjoyed it. I like the feedback. It's something I may do from now on, at least once a week. Yeah, you look like you're having a lot of fun with that, Dave. I was. Started last week with just a podcast. Promoting two old bloggers this week. I wanted to go off your studs and duds. There we go. There we go. All right. Let's talk about this offensive line. And it's something where I'm going to be honest, Dave, I'm getting real annoyed with uh, some of these offensive line takes uh, that are out there about the Minnesota Vikings. And quite frankly, they're playing well. The Vikings are, are playing overall good football and it's time that we start recognizing that the offensive line is good um we've seen how they've ranked and people are like nah that can't be but it's time to get used to it they are listen to mooney with mackie today or watch they break it down so i suggest watching it on youtube they break down the film he's like everybody did great Mm-hmm. They were taking they the right blocks, executing them most of the way. He explained what happened on Ed Ingram getting beat. He, and he says that's a training issue. It's a hard thing to train because when you get the hand whacked down as you're doing a kick step out, you, it tends to, the foot and the hand are linked together and it tends to freeze it. He needs to learn to work through that. But he said, otherwise, it was great. And that's hard to hear. Yeah. Thank you, Raymond. And I appreciate that. Especially, especially because so many people had these preconceived notions about Ingram going into the year. And I, I, I understand. And this is going to sound really insulting. And I genuinely don't mean it that way. But so many people just look at the PFF numbers and the PFF pressures. And they're not looking at the film and what the film is telling you because they can tell you two completely different things. And that's why you have to cross-reference analytics with the film because you know what analytics get their stuff from? They get, they get their data from film. But the thing is that people who gather the data don't necessarily have all the information. So you have to cross-reference and you have to make sure that you're understanding 
those points. And that is, that's something that not everybody has time to do. And I understand that, but it's also well, like when I say Ed Ingram's playing really good football, I'm not speaking out my ass. I'm talking from watching the film but and right now, but what fans see, all right, as you're watching the game, is that when take the second interception by Kirk, he got hit his arm. That's I wanted Kirk to step up. He would have clearly in his throw. It would have been fine, but he didn't. It got hit. It floated. Linebacker picks off the ball. They see that came off the right side, and they see Ed Ingram turned around, and they go, Ed sucks. Yeah. That was one play out of 48. One. Mm-hmm. He was fine. All 47 other ones. There were a couple times where he engaged a block and then didn't stay engaged, and that player made a play down the field. Like, yeah, He had a right. block at Derek Brown early on in a run concept, and then he disengaged with him, and then Brown ended up chasing it down and getting the tackle. Like He's got stuff like that, but it's he's a knockout puncher in boxing where he tries to just get you immediately. Immediately stunned. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like to necessarily stay engaged. Like you'll see, you used to see guys like remember in the blind side, Michael Ower ends up blocking that kid from like the 20 yard line all the way to the bus. Like he's staying engaged <laughs> and he's pushing forward. Like that's, that's what you want to see a little bit more from offensive linemen. Stay engaged, stay with your man and drive him away. Ingram doesn't do that enough. And, and I want to know more of it. that they're coached that way. If you look over on the other side at, Derisaw. Derisaw a lot of times will punch and yeah, literally the push the guy to the ground. I mean, it's just bam, and the guy flies it's, backwards. It's, it's different with Derisaw, in my opinion, than it is with Ed Ingram. Plus, Derisaw at tackle is doing a little bit. You're blocking differently, and you're blocking different types of players. So Derisaw is going to be blocking a lot more edge rushers, a lot more lighter guys, and with his insane power, a lot easier to knock those guys down versus Ingram is going to face a lot more bigger, stockier built guys. Right, these interior D linemen. But I'm and, wondering if they're being coached the same. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. They shouldn't be because they're not playing the same position. And they're not blocking the same dudes. I like I said. It's, I'm not asking what they should be doing. I wonder if they are doing. There's, there's a difference there. I would hope not. I would hope they're being taught position-specific, right? Because even at center, you go, you consider center interior lineman. Well, center has his own issues besides identifying the defensive line. The center has to come up from a snap, so he's he's in a totally different spot body-wise for the most part. Because his arm goes back, and all he's got is if he's right-handed, his right-hander, right hand snaps the ball, and he comes up with his left. Generally, there's some centers that use both arms, and then they come up and pop up. It's how they do that, and then if they're pass blocking, then that step back, how they're setting, make sure they're square, all that stuff, and then to keep the defender off their bodies. Because you want to, well, there's two philosophies on this. You can keep them at arm's length and you're fine, right? You're beating them. Keep them at arm's length and you're fine. Or you can come in, come in, grab, right? Because that's not holding if it's inside the shoulders. Mm -hmm. Grab and pull and lock you, lock the dude up. If you're strong enough to lock him up, and keep him in front of you squared. Because as soon as you turn sideways, or he turns sideways and gets by you, and that arm comes out like that, 
Up goes the yellow flag. Where's my flag? It's over here somewhere. Up goes the yellow flag, bloop, and it's holding. So it's it's real tricky how to do that. But once they learn that and get it, they're fine. And even if you have them locked up and you've got them brought in like this and you've got them locked up this way, you can always shove as well to get that extra balance off. Now, they're going to try to come up and bust your arms, right? Either cross the top, up the middle, however the defender's going to do that. We use forearm shivers a lot because I guarantee you if, I, if you grab my jersey like this or my pads like this and I come up full force like this, I'm going to bust your, your grip off of that. But there's ways that you've got to learn. That's when it's, all right, you bust this hand, but you suddenly shove this one this way. And it's training, it's, it's, it's different things, it's technique, and it's repetition, it's repetition, it's repetition. And they've got to learn. And hopefully the coaches are teaching them each and every position that way. Because if you get good at that, and you get good at your positions, you're going to be fine. It's all going to meld together in one big happy soup, right? From Darison yeah. all the way through to O'Neill. It'll meld into one big happy soup, and that's and and Kirk will be happy. But you got to be able to focus on each of those, and each one of them. Hey, I don't know. Cooper may do a technique thing with him once a week, right? Where he gets up here and goes, "All right, Darisaw, we're going to focus on this with you. Ezra, we're going to focus on this. Schlotman, we're going to focus on this today." And, you know, add this, Brian, this, and go boom, 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 and work on them. I hope they do that. I don't know if they do or not. I'm not there. I wish they did. But if they do that, it would get, it would improve them as a whole. That's why I've always come back and over Zimmer and KOC so far, and I question the coaching to some certain extent. But, like you said, this O-line is playing better than it has. I can't. They're doing good, and they're just ramping up. I told you it's going to take a few games to get ready, because that's the O-line. It takes time to get ready, because they don't get those reps in the preseason. So, I think we're on, I think we're on track on that aspect of the ball. Yeah, and let, let's, let's kind of go over a couple things, and... I'm going to keep pushing back on everybody that says Ed Ingram is bad because I'm I'm going to be honest and it's going to sound real arrogant. I've done more research and I've watched the film. And you know what? If you want an opportunity to watch the film, go on NFL Plus. Everybody has access to the All-22. Go watch it and come back and let's chat about it. And I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and call myself superior. I'm not. But I, I've done the the research to watch these games with the all 22 and see those things, stuff you can't see on the broadcast. If you believe I'm wrong, go watch it and, and find the examples and point them out. Let's have a conversation. Let's have fun with it on YouTube that break down offensive line play and show you good offensive line. Type in, in your Google search, how do I coach offensive line? And you're going to get, Mm -hmm. Just there are a million ton. coaching clinics out there where you can learn this stuff. It's it, the, the, like some coaches will not want their secrets leaked out, but hell I could find you five playbooks by the San Francisco 49ers on the web right now. Five of them, five different years because they're out there. And, and if, if you want to learn more, just go start watching the film and, and you'll pick stuff up by osmosis. You can watch coaching clinics and stuff and come on here. Let's have a conversation about it. Like, if you if you want to know more, there's the re, there's stuff out there. It's not just me. Like if you think I'm wrong, you can go find like have your hypothesis and go confirm or deny it yourself with the all twenty two. Just get NFL Plus. But let's talk about kind of how things are structured. Now I don't think PFF is gospel when it comes to offensive line play. I don't think it's gospel with offensive line grades. But it is a a interesting metric when you're talking about how successful players been based on the rest of the league. So. Christian Derrissaw, 19th of 71 tackles. Brian O'Neill, 5th of 71 tackles. Ezra Cleveland, 12th of 74 guards. 
Ed Ingram, 22nd of 74 guards. Austin Schlotman, 12th of 36 centers. That sounds like a good offensive line. You don't have, there's no true weakness, even though Schlotman is relatively limited. And you're looking at a team that is finally seeing some form of success with the offensive line. They built, they developed it. They put a lot of high resources into it just since 2019. A first, sorry, two firsts in, sorry, since 2018, two firsts, three seconds. And then there was a third in Wyatt Davis. He's not even on the team anymore. They've invested in this offensive line. And that narrative that I've heard multiple times, it doesn't, it's not real. You can say, oh, they have not had success. Okay, that's a different discussion. They have tried and they have tried to fix this offensive line. And it feels like that they're finally in a place where the offensive line is better. And there are some out there calling, why isn't Dalton Risner playing? Dalton Risner's better. How do you know that? I don't know that. You don't know that. He Luke could Ron be did a bit where he did a film study on Risner. Yeah, like, here's the and thing. Risner has contends, his positives. <clears throat> Risner, <clears throat> pardon me. He contends Risner is uh, the backup, period. He goes, Risner yeah. has as many of those pressure gives up stupid plays as Ed does during the game. And that's the thing. We don't know that he's going to be better. We don't know he's going to be worse. He's different. And a lot of times people want different because it's not what you already have. It's like, I remember when I was a kid, I had a Sega Genesis and I desperately wanted a Nintendo 64 and I begged for it and I wanted the 64. Well, I didn't get the 64. I had to buy it when I was like 18, but I got it. Sometimes you want it because it's different. Other times you want it because you know it's better. I knew the 64 was better and I ended up being right. But that that doesn't that example does not always hold true when it comes to to players who you want to uh, have them replace. Like uh, honestly, if you were to play Risner, I'd play him at center because then you have a bigger, better pass protector than you have in either Garrett Bradbury or Austin Schlotman. But I think he's the backup too. And quite frankly, the way like it was a max value of four million, and you think, okay, that sounds like starter money, two point two five million guaranteed, and then once the full details of the contract come out, that's backup money. And you know what? That's a pretty good backup to have as an offensive lineman, a guy who started for four years for the Denver Broncos. That's mm-hmm. that's, that's valuable. A, yeah, it's so I agree. Um, T Bass, yes, there's an example where he got hold and still gave up the sack. There's O-linemen that do that all the time. Unfortunately, if you're going to hold as an offensive lineman, make sure you don't give up the sack, right? Because make it count if you're going to pay for it in yardage. But it happens. Like I said, as a defender, if I can turn him around and get him not square to the offensive line, I've got him beat. And at most, he can do his hold because an offensive lineman needs to stay square to the offensive to the O line until they get certain far back, and then they're staying square to their rushers. But for that first three yards back, they've got to be square. And if I can turn you, I can get by. And and defenders know that they try to do that. It's a way to beat or get. Holding calls. That's when Green Bay years ago started the hug thing. You know, I was screaming, that's Mm -hmm. holding. But they got away with it because they kept it inside. And as long with that hug, if they try to turn you, you're still in front. But you need to, that helps block because you got your arm there, them from trying to turn you. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Now, you talk um, about you wanted that, uh, what was it, Genesis 64? Sega 64? Yeah, I had a Sega Genesis, and I I wanted the 64 really bad, but my parents wouldn't buy me the 64. They, they're they like, oh, you have a Sega. I'm like, uh, I want the 64, and well, I didn't get it. But I'll see different generations. I, I, I wanted a stereo but, growing up. And my parents said, nope, 
You're going to buy your own. Get a job. I got a job. I spent the money on other things. But once I went out into the world, I bought a kick-ass stereo. I could blow plaster off the walls. There we go. They would not give it to me. Mm -mm. That was one of those. It's one of those points where, nope, you want it, you go work for it. And that works. That goes straight across the board with football fans and football teams. If they want it bad enough, go work for it. The O-line needs to go work for it. Um, yeah. Brian O-line's short yardage average at best. Yes, they need to work on it. And But that's part of, Brian, that's part of the system they run. They're not running a power gap system where it's mano a mano, I'm going to push you forward. That's not their style. Their style is mid-zone and outside zone, which has them moving laterally. If you want blow a guy backwards three yards as a whole offensive line, that's a power system generally. And they're not built that way. They they weren't drafted that way. The only one that comes close to being drafted that way, believe it or not, is that Ingram. But all the rest are, you know, small, fast linemen, so they can get to the second level. And that's because yeah, of the schemes we run. Yeah. But let's talk about the defense because we're starting to run out of time here. And I want to talk about Marcus Davenport, and I'm going to victory lap the living hell out of this. There were people <laughs> online actually saying he was the worst signing in, in the history of free agency. Look, we were wondering. this is the performance you're going to get out of Marcus Davenport. He is basically Daniil Hunter, except bigger and more athletic. Like that's that's the guy you're getting. You're getting a guy with super long arms, 6'5, 280, who's incredibly quick off the ball, who's powerful. He can do a little bit of everything, and he was moved around consistently. I would expect a lot of these three edge rusher sets to continue with Davenport because you can play Davenport as a legit four eye or five technique. And then you have two edge rushers and you put Harrison Phillips in there as well. And then you have your nickel package. So Mm -hmm. Davenport is essentially credited with two sacks in my book. He got one officially and then he ended up setting up to or sorry, DJ Wanham for one Mm -hmm. where he had the quarterback in his grasp. He slithers out and then gets slaughtered by Wanham right away. Davenport's the real deal. Quite frankly, the contract we have in mind, if we get this performance, this style of performance every week, like even if he doesn't get a sack every week, I don't care because pressures me more than sacks. This is going to be a great signing for the Vikings and a potential great future signing for well, them they, as well. And they need it on the defense because we're not getting rushed up the middle. We're getting Daniil and hopefully now Davenport as bookenders to bring pressure to the quarterback. Yeah. And I'm very, very happy with uh, how he performed initially and his presence honestly set up a lot of the success that the Vikings had with their blitzing. They only blitzed Bryce young 30.8% of plays, which was a significant downturn from last week where they blitzed Justin Herbert on 82% of plays, the second highest rate ever in the next gen stats era. But the idea of blitzing blitzing Herbert like crazy was because they wanted to force him to make decisions really quickly and prevent him from really attacking down the field. Problem was they weren't playing close enough coverage and Keenan Allen just kept getting open in five yards and then he'd be able to take it for like another five and then you're getting 10 yard chunks. And that's honestly what killed the Vikings. But they decided, hey, if Justin Herbert's going to beat us doing that, then he's going to beat us doing that. He's not going to beat us killing us down the field. And he got a couple. I mean, it's Justin Herbert. He's going to get a couple. That's just the reality of it. But they decided that was the best strategy. And with Bryce Young, I thought it would be smarter to not blitz him as much. Make him play coverage. Be really crafty with how you create your pressure packages. But don't just send a lot of overhead blitzes because he's a guy that can escape. And if he escapes then all bets are off. You can find a guy in the flat, and that guy in the flat can go 20 yards. So I thought it was really smart to not pressure Bryce Young that much, and it ended up paying dividends for him because Bryce Young was not effective. Yeah, he completed 25 to 32, but only 204 yards, and quite frankly, the Vikings could have had a couple interceptions in there. This was a very well-constructed defensive attack by Brian Flores. Honestly, the second really good defensive performance by them this year, with the first being against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is 
a defense that's going to be a little bit up and down, but you're going to see really good performances from your top people. And Davenport had one of those. And then Harrison Smith, Harrison Smith had his teammates going on Twitter and being like, send this guy to Canton, Ohio, the pro football hall of fame. Like he had an all time performance. I believe it was the second game ever with three sacks. He almost had a fourth and he was the guy who forced the fumble which DJ Wanham scooped and scored. I would I would be shocked if Harrison Smith wasn't defensive player of the week for his performance. He was tremendous. He was. Without a doubt. And if he keeps that up the rest of the season, oh boy, we're in for a treat. Yes, we are. And the secondary. Secondary, I haven't really had much of an issue with. I wrote about it earlier this week. I thought the secondary was fine. They weren't great. They've been fine. And what I mean by fine is they're not necessarily pushing the ball or they're not making a ton of huge plays, but they're not giving stuff up either. They've had a couple. Every secondary has a couple and they're limiting it. They're honestly pursuing the football really quickly when it gets into open space. They're in position to make plays on the ball when it's being thrown their way, but they're just not quite making those plays yet but they're in position to do so and the if you're in position then you can take advantage of it in time it doesn't always happen overnight but they're in position they're getting comfortable with this system and as comfort happens and as you think less you can react more and react faster and i think that's what's going to happen here with this viking secondary moving forward they have to stay healthy they've stayed healthy so far which has been great Byron Murphy was nursing a hip injury and he ended up playing and missed like a total of like six or eight plays. something like that. Not really a big deal, but I'm very bullish on this Vikings defense moving forward because of how they played so far and what they could potentially do moving forward through the rest of 2023. I am too. I think they're, they're making progress. I was pleased. Now they're going to have a test coming up this week. Because the Andy Reid offense is going to test them, without a doubt. Yes, they will. Uh, Poor Odie is downstairs. Um, He just started whining because he hears me. But I also have the show up on the TV so they can watch me. Uh, I don't think they're (laughs) actually watching, but I figured it was worth a try. You got the volume going so they can hear you? Okay, good. Um, but I think they can actually hear me physically talk because I have the door cracked open. Um, I I think that might have been my mistake. Actually, but, they like it. If I leave and leave Merlin in here, I'll turn on my TV and put up, I'll run our videos, and just and they're they're calmer that way. Yeah, well, I think it's different with Frenchies because they're very dependent. They're codependent with people, and they don't do well by themselves. So leaving them downstairs is a little bit of a difficult thing. But I also can't have them up here because they go berserk. I mean, everybody's here just doing that. So, um, but overall, the the Vikings against the Chiefs is going to be a very interesting matchup. I'm Brian really, nails it right there. I'm really intrigued to see uh, what ends up happening because, like like Brian said, it, it should be a shootout. And quite frankly, I agree. But I wonder how healthy Mahomes is because Mahomes himself was making uncharacteristically poor throws, and they were coming up short which tells me that there's something going on because you don't just make throws short unless you have something going on. And I wonder if that's going to carry over to this week. I wonder if that was just this weird anomaly. I'm keeping an eye on it because that was uncharacteristic. It also could be just, he doesn't have this great chemistry with a lot of these receivers. One of those throws was to Travis Kelsey. So that's not a mistake. And I'm very, curious to see how that manifests itself against the Vikings, but they're in for a tough one because this is the reigning Super Bowl champions. Yes, the Vikings are at home, but it's by no means a slouch. It's no means a easy game and the Vikings are going to have their hands full. I'm letting the opening odds are Vikings plus five and a half. I think, I think, it's, I think it's plus six. Take a look at DraftKings. 
but it's going to be an interesting game. And like I said, I don't think the Vikings are going to feel the pressure as much because they're expected to lose against the Super Bowl champs. So I think they're going to be more relaxed and freer to play. And I think the crowd behind them is going to be great. The crowd's all going to be looking up at Swift and all that stuff. Huh? The potential of Taylor Swift, yeah. I hope she comes. Why not? She played in the stadium before. She knows what it's like. It's a good stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And it's uh, it's going to be a fun one. And it's a 325 kick, and I can't wait for it. Because at the end of the day, even if the Vikings end up losing, we get to watch a Patrick Mahomes game. And I enjoy watching Mahomes play football. I just hope that the Vikings have a recipe to stop him. Four 325 games this week. I thought I saw that roll across my phone from NFL.com. Perfect. I will have uh, three of them on and the Vikings game. We'll have four TVs rocking in the basement. But that is our show. We will be back Wednesday night to preview the Minnesota Vikings game against the Kansas City Chiefs in depth. We're going to talk about matchups. We're going to talk about how the Vikings can take advantage of the Chiefs on defense. We're going to talk about how they can potentially stop Patrick Mahomes. Not an easy task, but it is possible to contain him enough to win a football game. Absolutely. Many can do it. The Mm -hmm. Bengals have done it multiple times, and the Bengals don't exactly have what you would call a great defense, but they have a great schemer. Heck, the Lions did it this year. And that's what you have in Brian Flores, a great schemer. We'll see who wins that chess match, but we'll be back Wednesday night. Make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the fun things to help us grow. We are uh, right at uh, 1,250 subscribers, and we're looking to shoot that to the moon to help grow this channel and be the best outlet for Minnesota Vikings content out there. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community, and we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.